Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Greetings and a very warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in to by the word of their testimony. This program is a program that shares the life journeys of people just like you and me. And how through challenges, trials and opportunities and the providences of God, their lives have been impacted for good and for the glory of God. Now, I have a special guest in the studio with me today, Pastor Tapiwa Mutsariwa. Welcome, Pastor Tapi. Nice to have you here. Thanks a lot, Etienne, for having me here. It's a, it's a real pleasure and a privilege because we've done a little bit of work together. You're not a stranger to uh, 3ABN, but maybe not radio, but we've done television together. Yes, we have done a um, program for... Um uh, what is the Let name? God of it? Speak. Let God yes. Speak. Yes, and we enjoy doing that. This Bible study, yeah. and today's different. It's in the radio. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Now you've got and to make sure your hair's combed and brushed for that, and yes. if your face looks tidy. We're here. It's radio. You now we can be a little bit That's more right. relaxed. <laughs> and it's not Bible study. I'm just telling my life story, which yeah. is a bit different and good. And I'm looking forward to hearing uh, you share your testimony today and how God has uh, impacted your life. And I know also our listeners will be blessed by what you have to share today. But perhaps let's start with the uh, the beginning. We um, I introduced you by your title, which is Pastor yep. Tapiwa Mutsariwa. So you're a, a pastor in Sydney? Yes, I'm a pastor in the Greater Sydney Conference, and okay. um, we are in the southwest. We take care of um, Cabramara and Fairfield. Okay, so two yeah. churches. How long have you been at those those churches? This is my fourth year now in that okay. role, yes. Great. So there's a good good continuity there as far as, you know, spending time That's in the right. church. Yes, so we can plan and... You know, execute, evaluate ourselves and go back to the drawing board and start all over again. That's the good thing with that. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Mm. And uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your family as well. You've, uh, you're married with children? Or? I'm married to one wife. One wife. Okay, that's, <laughs> and, that's a good start. <laughs> and I have three kids. Um, okay. Nashe is 14, mm. Washe is 11, and Anashe, the last little girl, is six. Okay, so Nashe, Washe, and Anashe. That's right. Okay, so those those names sound very similar. What what do they mean? Right, there's a root word there, okay. Ishe. Ishe means the Lord, referring Ishe. to God. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Nashe, the first one who's a girl, mm. means with the Lord or with God. With God, yes. Washe means of the Lord or of God. Yeah. And then Anashe, the one with God. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so yeah. significant meanings to the names of your, uh, your three three daughters. Yes, we, we are actually saying without God, mm. we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. He has literally led us through our sort of lives, and we are here. Praise the Lord. I look forward to uh, hearing your testimony. I've only heard a little bit, a little portion here and there, but yeah. really looking forward to what God is going to um, have you share with us as we go through. It's a privilege uh, to share that with you, Etienne. Right. 
Now, uh, maybe we can step right back because uh, I guess there's a slight accent there. There must be a reason for that. So where were you born? Well, uh, I was born in um, a country in the southern part of Africa. Hmm. So that is Zimbabwe. Okay. Yes, that's where I was born some hundred years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you grew up in Africa. What a beautiful part of the world, too. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful climate there, too. In beautiful uh, climate. Zimbabwe, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Um, we, I was born in sort of in the Midlands. There's a little town called Gweru. Mm. That's where I was born. And at a time when my country was going through um, a, a civil war, if you like. Right. And uh, so my first memories of life mm. were sort of in that kind of a situation. Oh, in that kind of environment, in yeah. That kind of environment, yes. Mm. yes. So was it quite unsafe or was it relatively safe for you Very, up? very unsafe. Mm. In the village where we lived, my dad sort of ran a, a little shop that served the community there. Mm. Um, so if, if people with guns come to you and say, uh, we want this and that, this and that, and um, what, what would you do? You just give them because well, they've got guns. That's right. But that would be interpreted by the other side as you are supporting oh. the other. So, so you're just trying to survive, but they may see it as collaborating with the opposition. Correct. So we were in trouble for that. Mm. Uh, so we had to to escape and go to the city because the cities were safe mm. during that time. There okay. was no war happening in the cities. The cities were happening in the bushes and in the villages where, where we lived. So we right. left and went to live in... In, in the city. Hmm. So what age were you when you moved to the city? Around 1979, I would have been around a boy of five. So that gives away my age now. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> After saying 100 years. So now, mm-hmm. yes, so I, was, I would have been around sort of five years of age. Okay, right. So, um, and leading up to this, the, the influence in your home, were they uh, Christian or were they secular? What, what, what sort of in- environment did you grow up in? I grew up in a very interesting sort of uh, environment at okay. in the sense that um, my dad, let me start with my great parents, my grandparents, okay. that would make more sense to you. Sure. My maternal grandfather was an Adventist, so that would make me a third generation Seventh-day Adventist. So my mother was born in an Adventist family. Okay. I'm told that my grandfather worked for a certain white Adventist guy, mm. and then he got converted, and his whole family got converted from that. Wow. Then on my father's side, my grandfather was one of the first African Anglican priests, so to speak, oh, uh, and okay. he he became um, he is even buried today in a sort of um, the burial place from Anglican missionaries. Is that right? So so from my father's side, I have Anglican blood. Mm. From my mother's side, I have Adventist blood. But mm. my grandfather was the first born in his family. He was going to be, traditionally, he was supposed to be the spiritual uh, guardian of the family, mm. sort of to speak to the ancestral spirits and... Oh. But because he had become a gospel minister, mm. that could not happen. Yes. So my dad sort of said, hey, bring that, that role over to me since someone has to do it. I'll do it. Mm. So my dad did it. And at an age of around 18, 19, 20, my mom, like most young people, did not take her faith seriously. Yes. So she got hooked up with this guy who is into spiritualism mm. and... Um, 
she got married to him and then she suddenly discovered that she had to take a big role into into my dad's um spiritual kind of um no calling if you like yes okay uh, which so being the wife she had to perform certain responsibilities as things like brewing beer okay. um dancing around for the spirits to come but it was at that stage that she discovered that she had a different worldview and she couldn't subscribe to that so she yes. so i grew up my dad and and mom never sort of i never saw them fight physically mm. but there was always a spiritual fight going on okay. they never agreed when it came to to their spiritual spirituality so to speak mm, mm. so yes when i was growing up mom was a prayer warrior yes. dad consulted the spirits wow okay so it's contrast there i mean contrast. extremes basically in the seventh day adventist as you may know etienne we mm. talk about a theme called the great controversy yes. which simply means the war that is going on between good and evil, evil yes uh, starting uh, that started a long time ago even before creation mm. and will be ended by the judgment yes so i literally saw that in my home wow okay yes, yes. so um your mum became more sincere in regards to her spiritual spirituality and her Christianity after she started noticing that the requirements from your dad and his lifestyle was quite contrary to her worldview to her worldview and the way she saw things my 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 brother said to me um a few a few months ago she said to me you know that mum would never have been a good adventist had dad been an adventist Is that what is that what he said? <laughs> I said I said well wow. we never know. because she only you know they say as they say in science for every active force yeah. there is a reactive force That's right she yeah. only found her identity in the crucible she found it when she had to be forced to do some things and she said no I can't do this she had to find reasons why she can't do it mm. and in, in so doing she found herself Wow Mm. Yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit of a crisis, you know, to bring out and to test us to see, well, look, do we want to change our worldview or does our worldview actually mean something? And we prepare to even lay down our life for it if it's that important. That's right. And so she was, God put her in a situation there where she had to choose. As as the Bible says, it says, train up a child in the way they go. They'll never leave it when they, when they are yeah, They'll live it apart from it. That's right. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, praise so the Lord. Because you grew up with these influences. So, um pulling you in two different directions almost yes so mm. to speak i i had these two forces between me literally pulling me between the two of them but one had to be more powerful than the other yeah, yeah. now at what age would you have recognized which one was more powerful and Look, how would you have recognized it and that's a good question yeah um at some stage of my life i discovered mom never complained not even once mm. that she cannot pray because dad is doing his stuff but dad always complained that the spirits are saying because your wife is praying we can't operate as much as we want and and these controversies when they spoke about these things we would hear and so your mum would talk about your mum and dad would talk yes, about this yes they would sort of have these arguments about mm. you know the spirits have said stop doing your prayers or something like that and uh, stop bringing your bible home the other thing was the bible oh the bible yes okay so praying and the bible you know what i actually have to mention this yes dad did not want the bible in our home mm. he would literally 
steal the Bible and hide it or throw it. Don't, we don't know what he did with it. Yes. I can't say he bent it or anything because I never saw him do that. Mm. But I don't know where he what he did. Yes. So mom had to lock her Bibles away. Is you that know? right, to protect so, it? And so f- in my young mind, it said to me, it looks like the devil is getting a hiding here. Mm. Well, I didn't recognize him as the devil at that stage. Sure. But I said, he's getting a hiding. Mm. Uh, and, well, it makes sense to go with the more powerful stuff. Yes. So I made a decision at eight to directly answer your question. At eight, I made a decision for Christ. Mm. And um, here I am with you. Well, that's incredible. So the feedback from the other side was that the Bible was interfering. Yes, and so prayer. So that's the way God speaks to us. Yes. And then, of course, prayer is the way we open up our hearts to God is speaking to him as if we speak to a friend. That's know? true. And he mentioned particularly those two things. Wow. Prayer and Bible study. Not, not much anything of else of, of mm. our lifestyles as Christians, but just those two. Yes. Um, Bible and prayer. They are mm. sort of... And it's all that's got to do with communication in a broad sense of a, the Bible. Obviously, God's word to us is His yes. love letter to us. Now, I've never thought it that way, but the way you're putting it now yeah. is, is it's sort of framing it for me. Mm. That, well, the devil was not interested in the communication, God speaking to us or us speaking, speaking to, to God. God. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And then, of course, on top of that, it is the uh, the detector of error as well. Yeah. Yes. You now, the word yeah. of God and the spirit of truth, the word of truth works together. True. We can then discern true. what's right and what's wrong in the great controversy between good and evil, between and Christ and Satan. That's right. Wow. So at the age of eight, you had enough discernment to pick up that your mum was on the more powerful side, side of the yeah. two, of the I two didn't forces. Know much, I didn't know much else, but... Yeah. The fact that there is a more powerful side, mm. I could sort of see it for myself. And I said, well, I don't have any Bible study. I don't have anything yes. to back it up with. But, oh, reality is speaking here. Mm. Mm. So um, at that time, were you uh, attending school or were you homeschooled or were you not in school no, yet? No, no, I wasn't homeschooled. I was already going to school. Okay. I was going to a local primary school, which was a Methodist primary school. Okay, so you had yeah. some Christian influences there, the, the Methodist primary school. The Methodist school. primary school. Pretty much, uh, Etienne, I think you, you might know this. Mm. Most of the schools, most of the education system traditionally in Africa yes. was brought in by the missionaries. So yes. most of the churches that... It's most of the churches established uh, schools, you know, after their own, they would go to, to a village and say, we've come with this school. But because of the enrollment, you can have two schools of different denominations. Otherwise, you'd have two kids or, or something like that. So they would just put one school there. Right. And all the, ch- and all the, school, all the kids, whichever denomination would come to that one school. One school. Okay. Yes. So the, my local school was Methodist. Mm, okay. Now, is this a school in the city? Um, no, no, no. Time? We had gone back now. To oh, you gone back? Okay. So yes. you were in the city f- until the um, the end of the year in nineteen, uh, the end of the war in nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty, the war stopped. Yes. yes. And nineteen eighty one, I studied primary school. Okay. And that's when they had full democratic elections, and Correct. of course Robert Mugabe was elected. Was elected. And that's when the war, pretty much leading up to that, had stopped. That, that's okay, right. So it was safe to go back home. Okay, yes. I'm with you. Yes. Right. So you're um, you've got Christian influences from your mum's side. Yep. You have Christian influence at school. For, yeah. And your dad was comfortable enough with you having a, a religious education in Christianity? Well, look, he had no choice, okay, so to speak, because there was no other school. Okay, I so could that go was the school. Yes, yeah, so I just had to go there. But to answer again directly, he wasn't um, comfortable with us having this Christian um, upbringing. Mm. He wanted us to 
to take up the role if anything happened to him okay. we would have to take up the role and, mm. and pass it on because everyone else in the family even including our cousins and everything they were getting to have this Christian identity and so he wanted our family to continue that role okay so it's a traditional role and something that he felt it was going to be passed on from you know just yep. Yep. ancestors and so forth that's uh, correct right okay so uh Growing up, then at the age of eight, you decide that uh, your mum's on the right side. Yeah, that's the that's the God that's uh, creator. That's the powerful God. And um, so, what happens through your life? You've got the positive and the negative influence, but it seems like God is drawing you towards Him yeah. rather than going down the spiritual side, uh, the other spiritual side. Correct. The mm-hmm. next stage for me that was um, very significant was yeah. when I went into high school because. Not, not much else happened in my in my life in primary school. Okay. But when I got to the time now of going to high school, mm. that's where I think the difference um, came in. My dad wanted me to go to one of the best schools in the country. Right. Because I I, I was some kind of a smart kid. Okay. Yes, I wasn't that bad at school. Hmm. So my dad wanted me to get the best. And um best but the problem yeah. is yes. But then the problem was there was no Christian influence there. Okay. There was an Adventist high school. Yes. It was not known for academic excellence. Okay. It was more expensive than the best school yes. in terms of academic excellence. And um, so everything put together, the best thing would have been for me to go to the to this school that my dad wanted. Mm. But my mom sort of stood her ground. Uh, she prayed. She even took, um, if you like, uh, she would go to South Africa and Botswana to sell stuff. Okay. So that we sh- we she can make up for the difference because she wanted me to have an, ed- an Adventist education. Right. Looking back, mm. those. Those teachers I had in high school, they really had a ministry, if you like. Mm. Um, if you read through the councils of, of Ellen White in the Spirit, spirit of Prophecy yes. around education, mm. there is something traditionally there where she counseled us to teach you know, school children the, the three H's, educate the hand, the head, and the heart. Ah. And they tried very much to follow that pattern. I'm not too sure it's still the same. Right. Uh, I haven't been there in a long time. Yes. But uh, during my days, those were there. We we actually had uh, manual work. Mm-hmm. It wasn't extreme, So, but there was some kind of manual work that you had to do. You actually clogged in and clogged out. You had to have some hours that you worked um, and um, some kind of, you know, helping things yes. in the community. And I, I think that's when the pastor got called in those days. Uh, okay. Look, I, I know that the, a lot of the schools used to follow that model because when I went to Helderberg College High School, I was yeah. there for a couple of years when we moved back towards that part of the world, down at yeah. the tip of Africa. Yeah. Uh, they had a, a plan there where we had to do five hours a week yeah. if you were a weak boarder. Mm-hmm. But if you worked on the weekends, you had to do some extra hours. That's right. And That's uh, so you work on Sundays after school. You'd work an hour or two. Or two, yes, yeah. exactly. And you'd exactly. work on the farm. You'd help them whether it be milking the cows or whether it be planting vegetation Vegetarian. or harvest, That's harvesting. Right. And, 
mowing the lawn. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look, and it was good because it actually was the hand, as you say, the the head and the heart. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so they worked on that model. I don't think that model exists at uh, Helderberg College anymore. But it, even for the for the primary. For high school, well, especially for high school, really, because primary didn't have a, a, a dormitory system mm. as such. High school and also for college. For the for, college, for, yeah, for the pastor's training. That's right, yeah. Yes, part of we, we learned to drive tractors there. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, you know, to do, you know, you know how you have those lawnmowers on, on tractors, yes, the big the ones. Mm. You know, we, we used to do all that kind of stuff. Go to the orchard and and, and harvest oranges and, and all that stuff. Yeah, we had stuff. peaches and all kinds of things. Kind even guavas. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, you had some wonderful fruit up north. We were in the southern part. I don't think yeah. we had guavas there, but we had beautiful yeah. peaches, and they had apples and a few other things. Well, yeah, we we had what what guys here call mandarins. We call them nachis. Nachis, yes. yes <laughs> nachis and 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 mandarins. Oh, mm. I mean, and and oranges. And um, grape, grapes. Great, yes, we had grapes yeah, as well. Even yeah. grapefruit, we had grapefruit, mm. and um, also we had a garden. We so we 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 grew our own vegetables yes. that were saved in the in in our cafeteria, mm. like uh, broccoli. Yeah, um, we had pumpkins as well. Pumpkins, we watermelons, yes. watermelons, and all that. Carrots, we, we and everything a, else. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge, huge kind of uh, um, market okay. garden that was going on there. Yes. Well, fantastic. Okay, so you had that good educational system, and that left a, a, a lasting influence on and me, impression yes. on you. Look, you I was up. a young kid, so I would always have these tricky questions, trying to trick the pastors, because our high school was, as you said, at Helderbeck. Mm. We had high school within the same campus, right? Uh, just different buildings, yeah. but within the same enclosure. So we always mingled for church and even in the cafeteria with the with the pastors. Um, and f- main dormitories were almost the same, we're sort of in the same area, okay. the boys and the, 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 the theology students. Mm. So we would always try to mesmerize them with questions. Okay. What I didn't realize is that as I was asking these questions, they, the answers they gave me, they were becoming my own answers. Uh-huh. And I was beginning slowly. When I would go away, people would ask me questions and I would sort of be able to and for some reason I had this photographic memory mm. uh, and I, I think I'm losing it now and I see grey hairs I think that's okay. why <laughs> I think that's why but you and I, me both <laughs> yeah so I would you would tell me that the Bible text like Luke chapter this mm. says this and I would remember where it is and I would yeah. be able to, to share that with others mm. and um, that's and other people started affirming me. and um, Okay, yeah. so God was sort of gifting you in that area to remember Bible texts and that. Oh, yep. praise the Lord. Okay, so after high school then, uh, what do you, where do you go next? Right, so after high school, I th- another part of my life that is mm. quite significant is I'm a young person going to my local church. My yeah. results were not as good as I wanted them to be. Does it take academic results? Academic results. Okay. I wanted to to do to to be a medical doctor. That's that was my passion. Oh, okay. Yes, and there's a part of me that still want to be that, but just that um, I have a better calling now. I don't, maybe better is not the same. It's not the yeah. right word, but I have something that is more satisfying for me. Sure. Now. Well, look, a doctor fixes them for here and now. They might get sick a little bit later, but you've got eternal, <laughs> eternal. healing that you are That's min- right. administering That's right. on That's behalf right. of the Lord. You yes. Know? Yes. <laughs> So my cousin came to live with us. Mm. Um, he was coming from a Methodist background. Okay. And he had a lot of questions. Sure. 
And I surprised myself because I could give him very systematic Bible studies. Mm. And without even going to look into these uh, Bible study manuals or stuff stuff like that, I would always find my Bible text and, and give him a very systematic, easy-to-understand Bible study. And some of the times... So how old were you when this happened? I would have been around 17, 18. Okay, so you're still quite young still. Young, you're still yeah, teenage yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would sort of call the others, come and listen to this. And I would find myself with a lot of these kids around me, and I'm giving them Bible studies. Wow. That's when my, my, my pastor came and said, you know, I want to run a youth, um, what we call youth effort. Effort. It's actually yeah. an evangelistic campaign. Mm. But I want it done by a young person. Do you think you can do it? And I said, well, uh, let's have a look at your material. So he gave me the material. The material was not mine. It was his. And um, he would come night after night for 21 nights. Mm. Night after night, he would come and he would sort of guide me. And that was the beginning of it. The, the lay evangelist was born. And this is still around that age. Age. I, I was 18 when I did my first lay, my my first evangelistic campaign, and seven precious souls. I know oh. each one by name to yeah. this very day. Oh, praise the Lord! Mm. So you didn't go in search of what you were going to do from a career perspective. God, a, God led you, and it just naturally happened by happened. your cousin questioning, and then your pastor recognizing yeah. the gift. That That's God right. has given you. That's right. And you, wow. Well, praise and the Lord. yet, mm. uh, the pastor is not yet born. The pastor is still a Jonah at this stage. We'll talk more about that. I think you you will get there and you'll ask me that question. Okay. And I'll, I'll let you know more about how I became a Jonah. Okay. A Jonah. That's right. Okay. Look, I'm going to look forward to hearing all about that. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll unpack that a little bit more. That's Stay good. tuned. We're just having a short break. The Word in Action, Mark 9.35. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. We love to be acknowledged, promoted and praised, but God's way is upside down to our human thinking. The King of Kings came in human flesh to serve us and to die for us. God is asking us to do the same thing today. In what areas is God calling you to serve? How can you be more like Jesus in the way you treat others? Welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. And my special guest in the studio today is Pastor Tapiwa Mutsuriwa. And Pastor Tapi, just before the break, you were telling us about your Jonah experience because there was definitely a calling on your life, just from what you told us before, that at the age of 18, you ran your first evangelistic campaign and seven precious souls made the decision for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So. Can you maybe unpack to us what happened subsequent to that? Because obviously there's a calling, mm-hmm. but it sounded like you didn't necessarily respond in a positive way the first time the calling came. That's right. Look, um, we in Africa we have a pastor to a district of maybe 15 churches. Yes. So I became part of the district evangelism team. So I was called all over the place doing evangelism. And um, for the next... Four years, I guess. In 1994, Mm. the youth director at the conference then, which was known as East Zimbabwe Conference, Mm. came to me and said, look, you and your friend, I had a friend, come into ministry. Yes. We will sponsor you, go to Salusi, which is like Helderbeck, like Avondale. Yes, Yes, Salusi College. Yes, like Avondale. And you study theology. Mm. And I was like, nah, that's not my cup of tea. I want to be 
a medical doctor or something. Yes. I branched into teaching for a little while, hoping that I would eventually get back into what I wanted to do. Okay. So I didn't take up that calling. Instead, I went into teaching for five years. Mm. The Lord led me to a place that had no Adventism. Mm. And so I this, found is where, this is where you're teaching career that, now. That's where I'm teaching now. I'm now in the teaching career. Mm. And um, I'm finding myself in a dry and arid place. Okay. You no, know, if I wanted to go to church, I had to board a bus mm -hmm. uh, on Friday evening, 200 kilometers away. And I could not always do that. Yes. So I decided then, well, I wouldn't say I decided. It actually fell on my lap. The ministry fell on my lap. Okay. It's not something that I intentionally did. Mm. It just started with a prayer for a kid who was not feeling well. And the kid happened to have been demon-possessed and they got delivered. And um, from then, Bible studies and, mm. and, and people came and we planted a church. Mm. Well, maybe we can come back to that story yes. in, a, in, a, in a second. You can just explain a little bit more what happened. Because yeah. was this quite a pivotal uh, experience? Experience, yeah. Because okay. it, it, it almost became the, uh, if you like, an incident mm. that kick-started many other events from there and eventually that became the planting of a church. Wow, in that area. In that area. Mm. And another church, uh, that are still those two churches are still standing today. Oh, oh really? I oh, praise yes, the Lord. Yes. So so you're you're teaching at the school. It's Is it a secular school? Secular school, yes. No ad, no. Adventist as such, and yep. um, you said you ended up praying for someone's child who was sick. Yes. So how did that happen? Look, one of my one of my sorry, not daughters, but students. Yes. Just came to me one day in class and said, "Look, teacher, I'm not feeling well," and they presented with um, symptoms that seemed malaria-like. Mm. And um, not being a nurse, we didn't have a nurse at school. I just said, "Look, um, go home and." Um, get help. Yes. And about three semesters later, the kid does not come back. To, the student has not come back to school. Mm. And one day, wanting to sort out my 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 role, sort of student's role, I had to go. I had to follow up so that I can see whether she still wants to come back to school or not. So I got to the house. I found her sleeping on the floor, and the dad was there. And um, just consulted with them, and they didn't think she would come back to school mm. um, for some reason. I looked at her, and I just thought, oh, well, the best thing for me, as a courtesy thing, I'll just offer to pray. Yes. And I said, do you mind if I pray? And the dad said, no, I don't. So when I started praying, we discovered that the, the, the child was actually demon-possessed. Mm. And I prayed for her. And rebuked the demons in the name of Jesus. Hmm. And so they, there was a manifestation at the time when you were yes, praying. Yes, there was she, a response. She was sort of some kind of shrieking and, you know, convulsions like. Mm. And but we prayed for her, and then she settled, and I left. And the next day, literally the next day, she was in class. Wow! So recovered that quickly after quickly, yep. three semesters. Three semesters, and wow. she's in class, and she was all right, and. Uh, other people heard this, and there was another incident in class. Well, I mean, Australia, when you tell these stories, people think, wow, this is not mm. true. These, these kind of things do not happen. I'm in class with the students. I believe the devil was following because there was never an incident like this before this, yes. before I prayed for this kid. Mm. Um, so you're working, at a, you're working at the secular school? Secular school. Mm. So I'm in class with the students, and students are beginning to see things in class 
unexplainable things. I couldn't see them myself, yes. but yes. A, a group of students could see them. And I just thought, whoa, this must be connected to this other girl. Because mm, this is now shortly after. Shortly after, shortly yes. after, mm. maybe a week or so. Mm-hmm. So we started praying. I, I invited my kids to, to, to pray with me. Yes. And we started praying, and they could see the thing sort of running away. So they said it was in a human uh, form. Okay, so uh, they could see a human being, being in the class. In the class. Which you couldn't see. Uh, that I couldn't see. Mm. And we, we prayed, and this was the end of it. It never mm. came back. And this made me start every class with prayer and end with prayer. Yes. And my kids understood why, and we started having Bible studies, and the parents started coming to join these Bible studies, and... The rest is history. The church was planted. Oh, praise the Lord. And it yes. all started just by following up on a student For, yes. who was not well, who was ill, and then it turned out to be more than just more a than natural more. illness that was actually a demonic. Correct, correct. Mm. So Look, yeah, and you, you're right, you know, in the secular mind, the, the, sometimes the, the secular Western mind, they don't, uh, they're skeptic about this thing. Yeah. But the devil is just as alive and well in Australia as it is anywhere else, but it is covert. That's correct. Yeah, because he doesn't obviously want to, for those people who are skeptics, he doesn't want them to think that there's a spiritual dimension to, to our existence. That's true. And uh, in those areas where, of course, there's a lot of uh, that manifestations, like in Africa and that. Uh, you actually see the, the power of God working more effectively there and more openly as well because they've got to counteract these manifestations True. more than you would see them here. Here we might call them depression or we might call it something else or yeah. there could be some sort of health issue which we think is just a natural consequence, natural consequence. of yeah, that's very body true. chemistry or whatever, but it, you know, it could still be oppression that's it. Um, rather than depression, that, you know, yeah. demonic oppression. Oppression, yeah. oppression there, yeah. And will be, I think it's important that people you know, spend time in prayer and also just ask for spiritual discernment that God will reveal to them whether True. it's just a natural uh, illness or whether it's something more than that. Because I think in many instances, something more than that, a supernatural influence affecting people can be con- controlled by natural means and yeah. it will never provide a solution. A solution, yeah. We, mm. I've met such instances even here in Australia okay. uh, where we don't, we may not have time for that, but sure. it's true what you're saying. I'm just saying what you're saying is very true. Okay. Mm. Praise the Lord. Okay, so you started church. So um, a call to ministry. This is now your five years working as a teacher. As a teacher, and um, while, I'm, while I'm teaching, I'm studying mm. to get into the finance industry, particularly into the insurance industry, right. which I did after five years. I mm. then went into the insurance industry okay. and worked for seven years up to 2004 when we left for Australia. Right, so five years as a teacher, seven years in the insurance industry. So it's yep. now twelve years. Twelve years since, and since your first calling into ministry, and I'm I'm resisting that call. Yeah, and now by now I'm actually a seasoned lay evangelist who is going. So you're still working for the Lord, for but the you're Lord. self-supporting. You you're funding your own way. You know, Correct. through your work, through my work, and mm. just going and doing the Lord's work and. Uh, uh, Countrywide, even into other countries, neighboring countries, I'd go and do lay evangelism. Wow. Lay evangelism, but you talk about being a pastor, I didn't want. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, what finally convinced you after seven years now? Okay, your first five years as a teacher, next seven years working in insurance. What makes you change your mind regarding your career? You know, when I think about God now, I think God has a good sense of humor. Okay. And I think he has long legs too. He will <laughs> eventually catch up with you. Okay. <laughs> you, can't, you can't run forever. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so what happened was when we got here finally, 
I think I would have been about 30, 30 years. Mm. What was in my mind is I've always wanted to be a medical doctor. Yes. Now, finally, I'm in Australia. Mm. I can do this thing. So I applied for for a place to do pre-med at, um, at UTS. That's the okay. University of Technology and Science, I think, in mm. Sydney. Mm. So I got enrolled. I was going to start in February of 2008. Okay. But then, just before I did that, the previous year before the, the year of my enrollment, mm. I went to Africa to do a prophet seminar. And the whole journey and the whole exercise was sponsored for by my local church. So oh, I had yeah. to come back. I just felt obliged to give them a report back. Mm. My local church here in Sydney, I just felt that I would give them a report back. Mm. So when I was giving my report back for the, because I had to do it over two Sabbaths yes. over the, in the preliminary Sabbath school programs. Mm. So I'm doing my, 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 my report back. In the congregation is Dr. Doug Robertson, who was then a lecturer at Avondale. Okay. So he just comes to me and he says, young man, I want to see you in my class next year. Mm. Now, being African, you do not speak up to the elderly people. Yes. You don't get into into sort of a disagreement, with, disagreement them. with them. You just, you find some polite way uh-huh. of appearing like you agree and then when they're gone, you do your thing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that's what I was going to do. And he yeah. says, well, I've got a, a form with me, mm. fill it in. And I scribbled something into that form and yeah. gave it to him just to Appease him, you know? Appease yeah, him yeah. and then he'd get out of... What I did not know is that my first elder at the church mm. always wanted me to be a pastor. And we had this uh, conversation between me and him, and I always convinced him that it's not my cup of tea. Yes. So, But he always wanted to, you know... So this is how it happened. So Doug Robertson takes my form. Next Sabbath mm. comes Michael Waker. Michael Waker is the... Um, well, he was the greatest Sydney conference president. Uh, Not at recent, that time. At that time, he wasn't? Yes. Okay. At that time, he wasn't. He was the general secretary. Ah. So he comes over. He says, um, he, he's listening to me. He says, have you ever thought about being a, a pastor? So the Lord is sending you a few witnesses now to, yeah, okay. And then I said to him, no, I've I actually have thought about it, but we don't have money because we were on a skilled visa. Mm. A business got a business visa four five seven. Okay, I'm told they've scratched it off now. Mm. But that one, you'd not get any help from the government. Okay, so my my excuse to him was we can't afford. Mm. But to be honest, that wasn't true because I was going to start medicine. Uh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just giving this as an excuse. Sure. Then he says to me, "Don't worry about that. We can sort that out. We can sponsor you." Mm. Now, where is my excuse? Well, I said, okay, fine, thank you. At Avondale, they've sent in the forms, you're enrolled. Now I'm enrolled in two places. Okay, so you've got to study at the University of Technology, studying science, but, and you've also now got the theology at Avondale. At Avondale. So what am I going to do? Well, you not can't be two places at once. That's right. So February came, and this both of them are opening in the same week. Oh. And I chose to be a Jonah. Right, okay. So Off I go to do pre-med. 
Mm. The first full week of that of that semester, I'm at I'm at UTS. In the second week, I'm at UTS. In the middle of of, of the second week, it should have been a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I'm there. I'm sitting in a lecture. There was nothing wrong with the lecture. There was mm. nothing wrong with the lecturer. Mm. I'm just sitting there, and then I was overwhelmed with this a sudden sense of guilty and what are you doing here? Mm. The lecture finished, picked my bags, off I went home, jumped into the train. I used to go by train, jumped into the train, and off I went to um, back home. Yes. The next day I was at Avondale in a theology class. The rest is just history. like that. Just like that. The rest is so history. just God really left a deep impression in your mind while he's sitting in that class and you felt an element of guilt that, that this was not God's will for you. This is not God's will for you. Yeah, he's and, in different and, planes. And my wife, the I, I've just been joking around with, uh, I was being a Jonah. That's not actually my, my thoughts. Yeah. Those were my wife's thoughts. Okay. In December of 2007, we had a lot of trouble with our car, which was brand new. Mm. And we're having all these problems with it. And um, I was frustrated one day mm. as I went to bed. And she just came to me. She could see my frustration because uh, we were also having problems with the at the car sales where we had bought it. Mm. You know, we were supposed to, it was still under warranty. So we're supposed to, to, to get a good deal out of it. But they were not, you know. So I said to, to, to so my wife says to me, do you know why you're going through all this? I said, what? She says, you're being a Jonah. Oh, she God said is calling you. you, and you don't want to. And I'm like, oh. So when I came to that point, her voice, her words, and I believe the voice of the Holy Spirit too, mm. they were at the back of my mind. Okay. Mm. And she said that to you, and when you were sitting in the class, these words and the impression of the Holy Spirit all combined. And Everything is just working. And my f life is just flashing before me from as far back as 1994. Wow. That, like you have been going in circles. Mm. You know, a lot of my friends had sort of advanced in, in their careers and stuff yeah. like that. And I was just beginning. With if you had listened to me a long time ago. Because <laughs> this is now 13, 14 years 14 later. Years, yes, later. I would have wow. been 14 years in ministry. Mm. Mm. Wow. Okay, so that left a, a lasting impression. Yeah. Well, we praise Lord that you're, uh, you've taken that opportunity because maybe if you were in medical, we wouldn't be talking to you right now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Mm. You never know. Mm. You never so know. You, you go to Avondale and you, you study there. How many years do you spend at Avondale? Well, I was supposed to do four years, but I hipped everything into three years, squeezed it all into three so years. So the academic came back? And came back, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And three years I'd finished. And um, when I left Avondale... My first calling was at the Sydney Adventist Hospital as a chaplain. Okay. So I worked there as a chaplain, which was, um, when I look back at it, when I first went there, mm. I, th I always thought, I wanted to be in a church, a pastor now, look where I am. Mm. But when I look back, I can't have it any other way because right. I couldn't have it any other way because they, I learned how to be relational. Mm. I was more and more information and heady. Okay. But there I learned to relate with people. Uh, okay. And I learned a lot while I was at, at the Adventist Hospital, Sydney mm. Adventist Hospital, the same. Mm. And then after that, I got called to Waitara for two years. Okay. So I was at Waitara for two years. After Waitara, 
I went to Cabramara and... Okay, and now, so you're now looking out for Cabramatta and, and Fairfield. Fairfield, yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, at hospital, that relational side is very important, especially, I guess, in, in pastoral, correct, you know, pastoral correct, work. Correct, yes. Um, because you've got people there who are going through very stressful, stressful things. Stressful things. They've had bad yes. news. Vulnerable. Vulnerable, yes. Helpless. Yeah. So sometimes all you have to do is to listen. Mm. And I'm a talker. <laughs> you know, okay. Listening doesn't come sort of naturally. It's something that I have to work at. Okay, yes. Mm. So. Yeah, my wife tells me that you know I could do well with some exercises in that area as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working very hard on, on my listening right. skills. And yeah. the good thing is, you know, when you're doing testimonies with people, you have to listen. But it's so interesting. Yeah. Mm. So now all your experience in um, in Zimbabwe, where the the landscape is very different to here. I'm not talking about the I, geography. I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, yes. Sort yes. of in in terms of spirituality. Spirituality, because yeah. most people there. If not almost everybody has a religious belief Belief. of some sort. Most of it's Christian. There are some other influences. But now you come to Australia, which is very secular. Mm -hmm. And there's a 5% of the people that attend church regularly. It's very low. The number's low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you adjust? How do you adapt to that? Do you have to change your ministry style? I mean, how how did you find it? You know, you're talking about something that I've struggled with. Mm. When we do ministry in Africa, we do not start with the question of whether there be any God or not. Yes. 85% of, like, for example, in Zimbabwe, 85% of Zimbabweans are Christians mm. of some sort. Yes. And um, the 15% is still religious people. Yes. You know, your Muslims, your Hindus, and African tradition. Yes. Um, so when we do evangelism in Africa, the question is not whether there be any God or not. The question is which God? Yes. Why the Bible mm. kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. So here I've had to to change my my approach and the way of relating with people. There's, there are other ways of doing it, and I'm still learning how to do that. It's a bit of a challenge mm. how to journey with people from saying there's no God yes. to, well, I think there is God. So... Um, mm. I'm finding that r- being relational and learning to listen to people's heart is the way to go to get through to people because there is something right at the heart of the secular mindedness of people. Yes. There is something that says, I'm beginning to hear people saying, not saying there's no God, but people saying there's no God like that. Ah, uh, okay. And as I'm awakening to that, mm. I'm finding that perhaps, number one, there has been a wrong teaching of a God who is not love. Mm. God has been portrayed as a, as a tyrant. Yes. So my struggle is to present a loving God. Mm. But before the, I can bring them to the Bible, uh, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he, Christ has to shine through me. Right. And which doesn't come naturally again to me. I'm just human. Yes. And sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm, and that doesn't quite show the Christ. Mm. So to, it's a struggle to, to, to give people Christ they can see in me. And then they say, we want to know more about you. What makes you so peaceful? What, what? And then you can then say, come, let me show you something. Yes. Yes. Wow, that's wonderful. That actually reminds me of that uh, text in the Bible. Um, 
It actually is a, it's a prayer of Jesus um, shortly before he um, actually departed this world. I think it mm. might have just been before he um, before his crucifixion. Yeah. And uh, John chapter 17 records the prayer where where Jesus prays for his disciples and he also then prays for all believers and then for those who will still yet in the future believe. That's right, that's right. Yes. Mm. That's John 17, right? Yeah, John 17. Yes. Yeah. And then it says there in verse 21 where Jesus saying to his father, praying that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Correct. So when we have that unity with God and we have Christ, Christ in us, in us. Yeah. then the world will believe. So I'm very grateful that you brought out that point because I think it's a very important aspect. You can't give unless you receive from the Lord. You know, That's by, by nature we're born spiritually dead, physically alive but spiritually dead. Dead, yes. And uh, all we can share is what we have naturally. That's correct. So all I can share, unless the Lord gives or I receive from the Lord, is my own corruption. That's true. And That's I would say, and perhaps you have enough corruption of your own that you don't want to receive it's my corruption. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's actually a fact. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we have to receive from the Lord, and we've got to have Christ within our hope of glory. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think that's the good news of the gospel that God's mm-hmm. able to transform and change our lives, that so we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We praise God for that. So, yes, yeah, so the influences of secular are very, very, uh, very big in Australia. Yeah. They are, I think the latest census said there was 52% of people that believed in uh, the existence of God. All right. I think the previous census, I think it was about 60%. So 60%. it's come down. So it's coming down. It's coming yes. down, yeah. Yes. So, therefore, even the more important that we have that relationship with God, with God. you know, communion through the word, yeah. and then also us communion to God through prayer. True. And having True. that connection. Now, um, we've only got a few minutes left, but I, I know just when I've spoken to you in the past, there's been some many instances that you've had. We've had some incredible experiences now where, where you've seen God intervene in people's lives in a remarkable way, whether it be for healing, whether it be for, you know, demonic oppression or manifestations. Um, so even in a secular environment, you still come across those um, evil influences in the people's lives. That's very, very true. Mm. A friend of mine recently, uh, as recent as like when I say recently, I mean last year, um, sort of said, "Come with me. We are going to see a lady at a hospital. Mm. She has um, postnatal depression." Right. Um, so for me, this was a this was a visitation, a normal hospital mm. visitation, and uh, just went there, not prepared for anything. Okay. We get there. Well, uh, as soon as we got there, the first thing is I saw an, the registered nurse who was there is someone I know. Okay. And uh, so she sort of organized for us because what I'd observed was that the lady who was said to be in postnatal depression, according to my experience that I had from Africa, mm. the lady was actually demon-possessed. You could tell by just looking at just her. Just by looking at her. Mm. And then I asked the lady that I knew, the nurse that I knew, to give us a room, and she did. And we prayed. We were praying for only nine minutes, I mean five minutes, and um, the manager came and said, well, you're way beyond your your visitation time. Okay. So we left. Yes. Um, a few hours later, I got a call from the husband of the lady saying, well, what happened? And I said, well, I don't know. I was preparing to explain what I had observed. Yes. But then he says, no, she's delivered. Wow. She's, they're actually saying she's ready to go. And the next day, she left hospital. So the postnatal depression was something of the, of the past? No, it was just something 
Perhaps there could have been a post-natal depression, but the devil might have taken advantage of that. I, I don't quite know. Sure, sure. Sorry. And I know that she is still doing Bible studies in Adelaide right now. Oh, praise the Lord. Mm. That's wonderful. So yeah, the experiences you've had in the past and obviously your um, your familiarity with it through your, your father's side of the family yep. and, and gives you a probably a, a knowledge and an understanding, maybe a spiritual discernment, the average person wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, per- perhaps from the discernment comes from the experience. It's informed because I've seen quite a few um, examples of those mm. through, mm. through my upbringing from the time I was born and right through my my evangelism years. Right, right. Yes. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting testimony you've been able to share with us. And even with those influences within your family that, uh, you know, were occultic on the one side and then from the true God on the other side, how God was able to lead you and call you to ministry. And that must be just an answer to your mother's prayers because you're saying she was a, a praying she woman. She was a praying woman. I would say yes, mm. she prayed because my first four brothers had left the, the, the faith because oh. they grew up at a time where they were seeing a lot of um, trauma and um, killings and all that. Right. Some of them were tortured themselves. Oh, you during the Civil yes. War. So, they, so they, you've got some older brothers. Yes, I've mm. got older brothers. Mm. But then mom yes. would pray for all of us. And one of her prayers I remember as a kid was, these three that are remaining, that's my sister who comes before me and myself and my younger brother, Lord, please give them to me. Mm. And the three of us are still in the faith. The firstborn brother has since come back okay, to the faith. Praise the Lord. Okay. And the secondborn brother, I think, is on the way. Okay. Yes, the thirdborn brother died an Adventist. Mm. And the fourthborn brother is still searching, I guess. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. That just shows you the power of prayer, you know, yes. the, the power of the Word of God and the power of prayer. I think in the book, if you have just one second for this, sure. in the book, um, Adventist home. Yes. Um, there is a statement that says, "Next to the power of God, is the power of a praying mother." Is that right? Yes, I might have paraphrased it, but mm. that's the sense it gives. Well, look, let's just take a break so we can share our contact details in case anybody wants to get in touch with us. Thank you. And we'll be right back after this break. Thank you for joining us on by the word of their testimony. If you would like more information about today's program. Or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio today is Pastor Tapiwa Mutsuriwa, and he is the pastor for uh, two churches in the west, southwest? Southwest, yes. Southwest of Sydney? Yep. And that is Fairfield and Cabramatta? Cabramatta, yes. Great. Now, just before the break, uh, Pastor Tapi, you were saying that uh, there's a statement in Adventist Home, and this is page 240 in the first paragraph there, where it talks about the influence of a mother which reaches into eternity. It says the, fee- the sphere of a mother may be humble, but her influence united with the father is as abiding as eternity. Next to God, the mother's power for good is the strongest known on earth. Yep. 
That is incredible. Powerful statement. Mm. Well, she shapes the character of the uh, the young people you know, in the next generation. So I can understand the importance of that. And of course, that God wants to work through the through the mother and the father, but especially the mother in those early As formative, a teacher, yes. formative years. Yeah, that's true. Now we only have a few minutes left, but do you have any uh, comments, just parting comments, as you can share with our our listener out there today? You know, in today's Christianity, where we are. Um, filled with perplexity and sometimes discouraged, it may seem like Christianity is just one of those things, but there's no power in it. Mm. But I just want to leave this text with us. Right. It's, a, it's a three verses in the book of Luke, chapter 11. Um, we normally read these verses when we want to ask for material possessions, but I just want to, you to hear the context. Mm. And Dr. Luke here gives us the context of how this was said by Jesus. And here's Jesus speaking. And I say, it's Luke chapter 11 from verse 9. Okay. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened for you. For everyone that asks receives. And he that seeks will find. And him that knocks it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Mm. Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13 is my darling text there. It says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Mm. I just want to encourage us, encouraging myself in, in the process, that let us ask for the Holy Spirit. Amen. He has said, you know, sometimes we pray, mm. God says no. Yes. And some others we pray and God says wait. Mm. But when we pray for the Holy Spirit, there is no wait, there is no no. God has promised that he will give to us so long as we are sincere. Amen. Yes, as long as we expect God to say to do what he said he would do. Yes. So we ask, we expect, and then we thank him because we know he's going to give it to us because we're That's praying right. according to his will. Correct. Amen. And we will live spirit-filled lives. Mm, praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Tapi, for sharing that encouragement with all of us. And dear listener, I pray that you would also enter into that special prayer, that request for that blessing that Jesus has promised and saying that the Father is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to his children than a earthly parent is to do good to their children. That's true. So you've been listening to by the word of their testimony. We uh, enjoyed having your company, and we pray that God will continue to bless you and lead you. Thank you, Pastor Tapi. We pray that God will bless you and your ministry as well as you continue to minister for him. And dear listener, we look forward to catching up with you next time here on By the Word of Their Testimony. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.